Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. I think we're pretty, we're pretty cluey of what that means. When we say seek God or seek the face of God, what does that mean? Well, for somebody that may not have heard that terminology, and it's in the Bible over many, many times as it's in the Bible, but when uh, it, it not maybe being familiar with that, it could seem like God got lost or something, seeking God, or maybe we got lost from God or something. But basically, when we're talking about seeking God, uh, what we're doing is we are becoming aware of God. God is everywhere. God's not just in church. He's not just at, at times of prayer. God is everywhere, and he's not just in good places. God is everywhere, but he's not uh, in manifestation everywhere, and people aren't always aware of him. I know there have been times in my life when I've been more aware of the people around me or other influences. Has anybody in here ever even been aware of the devil? <laughs> been aware of him. But uh, that doesn't mean that God isn't there. It just means that our awareness or our sensitivity has shifted off of God and has shifted onto some other influence. So what seeking God gives us an opportunity to actually hone in and become uh, more acutely aware of God who is there. And especially if we're born again, he's not just here. He's also in us. As we were singing today in the second song, that power isn't just working in a service. It's working in us. And so the Bible's very, very clear about that. What we want to do uh, this year and any time that we fast, because right now fasting is pretty trendy and, and you can at work, any place you are, you might be hearing about fasting. Fasting is pretty trendy because of the health aspect of it. And so people like to fast. They may intermittently fast or fast sugar or whatever. And so you could say, tell people that you're fasting, and they wouldn't think you're spiritual at all. They wouldn't connect it with God at all. Uh, fasting is... is um, but when we're talking about fasting in... Uh, to seek the face of God, it isn't just about losing weight or ridding your body of toxins. It is, um, it has to do with coupled with abstaining from something in maybe in the area of food or social media or something that you uh, particularly have a craving to do that you're just going to fast from. Um, that you work out together with God, and it is between you and God. Um, what we want to do is add the seeking God prayer element to the fasting. It's not just the abstaining, it's the seeking, seeking God. And so we're going to talk about this today uh, and look into the Word of God, okay? Can we do that? Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word. We're thankful that in everything we can look in your word, and it is a lamp. It turns the light on to the way we live. And so we look into your word expecting 
to see something that we need to see regarding the area of seeking God today. And Father, we look into your word, at reverencing your word, because your word comes from, from you. And so I trust the, the person of the Holy Spirit, the great teacher, to go beyond what I say today, Lord. And I thank you for helping make the words make sense and doable in Jesus' precious name. If you can agree with that, say amen. All right. So the first thing we're going to just look at today is how do I seek God? How, how, how do I seek God? Well, the first thing, and in the first service, um, uh, Terry Walker was here, and um, he was in, I can't remember all the details of his testimony, but he had just taken a hit of heroin, and um, uh, he was really messed up, but there was a desire in him for God. I reckon somebody was praying for him. And he had this desire for God, and he thought, How do, what, what do I do? What do I do? And the only thing he knew to do was something that he'd seen in a picture. So he got down on his knees, and he put his hands together like this because he'd seen it in a picture. He did this. He didn't even know what to say, really. He just did this. And then a light came out of heaven, and, um, yeah, he was supernaturally saved, delivered from drugs and, you know, whatever. And so... You know, it's a glorious story. It's a true story. And, um, but what I'm saying is he got down in that posture. And so sometimes when we're saying, how do I seek God? The first thing that comes to mind is, uh, do we do that on our knees? Do we put our hands together? You know, uh, does that have to be in a, in a, in a church? What, what does that look like? How do I seek God? But actually... We're not looking, and God is not looking so much at the posture of your body, the position of your body. Uh, It is more the position of your heart. And so how does a heart seek God? And so uh, we're going to look into the Word of God about that, but the first thing that we have to see in, in dealing with God is a huge word, huge word used over and over and over, especially in the New Testament, believe, believe. Believe. If you're going to seek God, you have to believe that something is going to happen. And so it is, when we're seeking God, it's not, well, let's just give it a go. We just throw something up there and hope it hits someplace. No. We believe that something is going to happen, going to change, and uh, often, most often, the change, you may be thinking it needs to be here or there, but most often the change that will occur begins in you. It just works that way. The change begins in you. So, I'd like us to look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and verse 6. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Or another word for faith is believe, believing. God is a spirit. Jesus said that. God is a spirit. How can you connect with a spirit? 
You can't do it with your hands. You can't see with your eyes. You're not looking to hear something with your physical ears. So how do you connect with the spirit? You do it with your heart. And that is called, it's called faith. You believe that when you reach out to him with your heart, he reaches back. You come close to him and he comes close to you. So it says, goes on to say, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely, and here's that word, seeks him. So it's, it's a posture of the heart that's looking away from other things and is looking to him that involves your spiritual eyes and attention, uh, your eyes and ears. Now, what about people, you know, that really aren't, aren't really walking with God? Can they qualify to seek God? People that aren't really in a good place. I'm talking about maybe people that have walked away from God and, and they're not in a good place. They may be mixed up in some bad stuff or something. Are they, do, can they qualify to pray? Actually, the Bible talks specifically about these kind of people in Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter. He's talking about, uh, Moses was talking to the children of Israel. If they started, actually their hearts started going after foreign gods and they were actually worshiping foreign gods. And he goes on to say this. From there, but from there, that bad place of not a, not being in a good place, but from there, you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. I love that verse of scripture. Can we just believe that in, in this year, let's say even in this month, that there are going to be people who have wandered away from the Lord that are going to search for him again. Can we just agree on that together? There are going to be people whose hearts have gone cold to God, but they're going to search for him again. In this verse of Scripture, this portion of Scripture, the verses of Scripture before, they were people that had even walked away from God, and yet God said if if they would search for him, that he would be found of them. I love that. Okay, what about, what about people who have maybe um, an area of their life that is, it is not victorious? Uh, they love the Lord and everything, but maybe it's an area of, of not being victorious in their life. What about, uh, what about that? Are they in a place that qualifies them to pray? And I love this scripture from Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter. And the reason I bring this up is because I, I have heard so many people over the years and have experienced it myself. Sometimes when you aren't just in amazing victory, the devil will tell you you don't have a right to pray. Or God maybe doesn't hear you. Or maybe you've got to get stuff sorted before God will hear you. And so he keeps people corked. He, ga- he puts a gag order on people and, and, and tells them that they can't draw near unless they're perfect or unless everything is good. 
Aren't you thankful we can draw near not because of our goodness, but because we draw near because of the blood of Jesus? We draw near by the blood, the Bible says, the blood of the Lamb. And so Jeremiah said this, while Jeremiah, or what was in the book of Jeremiah, it says this, while Jeremiah was still confined, I like that word, so he wasn't just free, he was confined in the courtyard of the guard. The Lord gave him this second message that had come to him before, and now God is talking to him again, not in a place of freedom, but in a place of confinement. But the Lord still talks, ha, ha, ha. I love that. The devil can't keep God from talking to you. Amen. So I believe that the Lord is going to be talking to people, even though it doesn't seem like they have been tuning in. I believe God's going to uh, reach them. And it says this. This is what the Lord says. The Lord who made the earth and formed and established it, whose name is the Lord, ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. And so he said, come on, ask, ask, ask me. And I believe there are, this is the time as we're seeking his face, we're seeking him. Uh, he wants us to ask and he will show us uh, things we would have never known. You'll never hear these things from a friend. You will never hear these things from a relative. You'll never hear these things from, uh, from the television. You'll not hear these things in a game. You hear these things from God. Expect to. And a lot of times then he amplifies his voice through people, but you need to know that God wants to talk to you. Jesus said in Matthew, the seventh chapter, he said, he said, ask and you what? You shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. And then he didn't just stop there. That would have been good. He went ahead and repeated it again. And he said, because everyone that asks receives and he who seeks will find, and whoever knocks, the door will be opened. James said, if you don't ask, you don't have. And so let's ask. Let's ask a lot. Let's ask big. Praise the Lord. And let's certainly seek because then we find. Now, uh, why do people seek? Why would people seek God? Now, we've looked at the heart posture of believing to receive something. But when we seek, God is going to, um, he's going to reward. But why do people seek? And the first reason that we want to look at is because of problems. The Bible's really plain about that. The reason why people have uh, sought God and prayed with fasting in the Bible is because of problems. The first person that I mentioned is in Isaiah. Um, Hezekiah was given a bad report. He, he was given a, a report that actually he was going to die. And the Bible says that he turned his face to the wall. I love that, that imagery because he wasn't looking at the doctors to see what they're going to say or caregivers or family about what they are going to say. 
he actually turned to the wall. Well, what's on the wall? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. He turned his face away from any other voice or influence, and he turned his face to the wall. And when he did and he talked to God, God spoke and actually gave a message through Isaiah to him in Isaiah 38. There is another a, a whole book in the Bible of an incredible story of Esther. And this was a problem. This was not a personal problem. Hezekiah's problem was um, a, a personal physical problem that he turned his face to the wall and sought God about. But Esther's situation was a national problem. Or it was, uh, it was her whole people. The whole nation of Israel was scheduled on the calendar to be annihilated. And the Bible says that she told her cousin Mordecai to have uh, the, the Jewish people to pray. And she said, I myself will pray along with, with my servants. We're, we'll pray. And fast. And so they fasted and prayed. And the answer that came, it, it, interesting, you have to look to see what the effect was. But what came as an, as an answer or as, an, as a result of seeking the Lord so clothed Esther with something divine so that when she entered in to the courtroom of the king, her husband, he reached his scepter out and he said, before she opened her mouth, he said, what do you want? I'll give you half of my kingdom. It wasn't her pretty dress. It was something divine. And Tony was talking about mega grace. When you seek the Lord, when you come boldly before his throne, there's something that comes only from the throne and not from David Jones or from Myers. It comes from God. God wants us to seek him because he has things that money can't buy. So let's look at another one. And, of course, you know, as a result of uh, that mega grace and the whole situation was turned around and the, the Jewish people were saved. And here's another story in Second in Chronicles, the 20th chapter. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah at this time. And, it, and all of Judah was surrounded with enemy armies. And uh, they told Jehoshaphat about it, you know, and they were going to be oh, pretty much wiped out. And... Um, it says in Joshua, or I mean in Second Chronicles 20, verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered in everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So here is the seeking God with fasting, okay? So people from all the towns in Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So the second reason that we're looking at that people seek the Lord and also with fasting is because there's a problem. Okay, here was a national problem, and they sought the Lord and sought his help. And, and it says in verse 6, he said, O Lord, 
God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Going on to verse 12 and 13. Uh, well, let me just say something about verse 6. Sometimes it takes a little bit of, of prayer, of time in prayer, before you actually start recognizing the one you're talking to. Sometimes in prayer, it's a rehearsal of, of what you're feeling and what you're seeing around. But I like the way he prayed. He didn't start with what he was seeing and feeling. He started in by, by starting to magnify God until he uh, was aware of God and how great God is. And then he says uh, in verse 12, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. And so this time of fasting wasn't delegated to the prayer group in the church. It was something that everyone uh, was experiencing the problem. So everyone was called on to experience the seeking the Lord to get the answer. And when an individual talks to God, God talks to that individual. If a couple will seek God, God will talk to that couple. If a family seeks God, God will talk to the family. If a church talks to God, God will talk to the church. If a nation talks to God, God will talk to that nation. And so people, I believe, all over uh, Australia are praying I believe that God wants to do great things in the country of Australia. And that's not just on, on, on me. He said, he said, so we're going to look at the next reason. But to seek the Lord's help. As a result of their prayer and fasting, God did send help. They were ac actually Angels came and helped and turned the whole situation around. And it took them three days to pick up the spoil from that victory. It was an incredible victory that they experienced. Okay, what's the second reason? The second reason that people seek the Lord is because of promises. Not all the time. Are we motivated to pray because there are problems? Sometimes problems aren't the motivation factor. They're not the biggest thing happening. But there are promises. I'd like you to look at Isaiah 45, verse 19. It says, God is talking here. He said, I publicly proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. I, the Lord, speak only what is true and declare only what is right. That is such a strong verse of Scripture. That is such a really, really wonderful verse of Scripture that says, yes, God has given bold and strong promises that he wants somebody to take him up on his word. 
And I know it sounds, if he gave these bold promises, he wants people to boldly take those promises. Much in this way, he said, um, I wouldn't have told you to seek me if I couldn't be found. And then he, I, I think he would be honored with the way that we would come to him and say, if you're not able to fulfill the promise that you have given, and if you don't want to do it, if you don't have enough power, and if you don't have enough willingness to do it, you shouldn't have promised it. You shouldn't have put it in the book. But now it is in the book, and I'm going to hold this promise up. And I believe God loves that kind of faith that doesn't just fall over with the flick of a finger or at the end of a 24-hour period of time if it hasn't all come to pass that it's like, eh, whatever. No. If God has said something, God wants your faith to grab a hold of a promise and not let it go. Here's an example of somebody who did that in Daniel, the ninth chapter, in verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord. It wasn't a brand new prophecy. It wasn't something that was coming out just, you know, brand new. Uh-uh. It was in the word. Guys, let's not get bored with the Bible. There are wonderful things in the Bible for us to take, uh, take God at his word. Amen? So he said, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in, in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough, rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. Okay, we haven't moved into the ashes and burlap yet. Maybe you want to do that in this February fast. I don't know. But anyway, that's what he did. So basically what moved Daniel to fasting was not a problem. Uh, it was actually a promise. He read the word and saw from the word a prophecy from Jeremiah that the number of years for the children of Israel to be in Babylon was 70 years, and that time was over or was nearly over. And he saw the promise that things were supposed to change according to the promise. And there was no sign of change. No sign of change. Because of that promise, Daniel set himself to fast and pray. Guys, I believe there are promises in the word of God. For us personally, yes. For us as members of our family, yes. Our children, whatever. Those are promises that are to be taken and, and used and held on to. And you can use those promises in this, in this month of fasting and prayer. But not only that, God has given promises concerning people and a move of God that brings people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. He's made a promise that he would pour his spirit out on our sons and daughters. He's made a promise that he would show himself strong and show his mercy to every generation. He has promised 
that the glory of the Lord would be revealed and all flesh would see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. He has promised it. He needs somebody not to just be sitting back and say, well, yeah, 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 well, I guess we'll see what, ha- what happens. He needs somebody that says, if he couldn't have done it, he shouldn't have put it in the book. But he did put it in the book. God wants people to take a hold of the promises of God and with fasting and prayer, seeking God, let's take his promises to him. Let's look at the third way. The third thing that we, why we seek the Lord is to prepare our hearts for what God has prepared for us. Hosea 10 and verse 12 says, Plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Jesus in Mark, the fourth chapter, talked about four kinds of soil. And he said that the four kinds of soil are descriptions of different people's hearts. Not every heart is is prime to receive the word Not every heart is. Some hearts are hard. And um, when you think about, and we're not going to even talk about the other three, but that hard heart. When we talk about being hard-hearted, sometimes it can, you know, evoke a, a thought of somebody being really awful and mean. To have a hard heart is pretty a common thing because it just means the ground just got, you know, weathered. Every year, if you're going to plant seed in your garden, if you want it to really grow, you've got to chop the ground up so that the seed has the optimum opportunity to grow. And the seed of the Word of God or the plan and the will of God falling upon your heart, um, the optimum thing is for it not to be hard. What would make a hard heart? Life. Life. Just life. And then plus the devil, and then plus all kind of other stuff too. But life, that's what makes the natural ground hard. It's hot weather. It's pounding, especially if people are walking on it. And if people are walking on your life at all, if life is walking on your life, it'll make your heart hard. Well, time of fasting and prayer is a time where the Holy Spirit has opportunity to soften your heart. Do you want God to soften your heart so he can plant things? You want God to soften and change things, change the way that we maybe think or the way we're responding to things. We want to give him that opportunity to do so. Now, last week, Tony, Tony's message uh, really spoke to my heart, and I know yours as well. And he was talking about the judgment seat of Christ. And, and believers will, every one of us, and individually stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of what we have done while we're in our bodies. And so, but the verse of Scripture that he used that... Uh, I had never seen that particular truth. I'd seen it, but I don't know. It just didn't really register that it talked about don't judge one another because 
we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And judging and stepping out of love uh, moves you from being positioned to receive grace to do what you're alive to do. So we don't want to be standing in judgment with one another. Well, then I see this verse of Scripture from about fasting in Isaiah 58 in verse 4. It says, what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Well, that's pretty direct, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so maybe you're going to fast uh, cake and Coke and stuff like that. How about all of us? How about all of us fast fighting and quarreling? When we just have the urge and the hunger to give somebody what for. Sometimes I've just been hungry to say what I, you, could t- you can taste the words in your mouth. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just right there. And you're so hungry to say it. So then we're fasting. We're fasting, fighting, and quarreling. Let's go on to verse 6. It says, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. That's in a fast. Uh-huh. Then he goes on and talks about the care, the care of poor and needy. And then he goes ahead in verse 9 and says, And then when you call, the Lord will answer, Yes, I am here. He will quickly respond. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out of darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of the walls and a restorer of homes. That sounds wonderful. But going back to this, yes, there is the food element, but then there is also if we could if we could look up in this fast to the uh, from the things that we're just hungry for and want change in our own lives or in our family, um, but and, and in our own in our own realm, if we'll look up and be willing during this time of fast to see people who are oppressed. And in, in in bondage and move to help them. Let's let's share our prayer time. Amen. Yes, we want to know about our about God's plan for our life. But let's share our prayer time. What about people who aren't praying for themselves? What about pre- people who don't know to? And they're they're bound, and and they don't know how to get free at all. Yeah, let's share our prayer time. Can we do that? And we're going to do it right now. And then we'll finish up today. You know, this last week, all of us, I think our world was just quite impacted and and rocked when uh, this beautiful couple were tragically killed. And, uh, I, I, you know, you just, you just, it's just just horrifying. You just think, no. And um, from wonderful report, uh, 
that as they stepped out of this life in such a tragic way, they did step into heaven because they knew Jesus. (sighs) Thank God. But the verse of Scripture that we're talking about here, when I was looking at this yesterday, my heart was just so moved. What about... What about these kids? What about these kids? And I looked at I looked at some of the news reports and they're saying we're gonna look at we're gonna look at changing the laws and we're you know things aren't reaching these kids. Things aren't reaching them. We've got a number of people in our church family who are missionaries to these kids. Yeah, missionaries. I said that on purpose, and you know I did, because the Lord told me that word. He said they are missionaries in this social area to these kids, and have gotten a lot of them saved. Not every salvation happens right here in the carpet. A lot of it happens out there. Aren't you thankful that the church is being the church? And people are coming to the Lord Jesus. But we're going to pray right now for this group of kids that there's a lot of people would love to just send them to hell this afternoon. But it was for these kinds of horrific things that Jesus died. He wants to change their life. Could we ask for that? We're the church. If anybody's going to ask for it, it would be us. Can we ask for that today? Dear Heavenly, go ahead and close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, we lift up the kids. We lift up the kids of Brisbane and Logan. We lift them up. We lift them up. We lift up kids that it looks like there's no hope. It looks like they are going to hell in a, in a wagon. Father, I pray for them because you sent Jesus to die for them so that they could know change. They could be born again and start all over. Oh, Lord, we lift up these kids, and we're asking to send labors into the harvest field. We ask you to to help the people specifically in our church that are working in these fields And we ask you to anoint them and help them and embolden them. We also pray, uh, Father, for our government. We pray, Father, that, that as these laws are being examined again, uh, we ask for your wisdom that helps. Not just putting a band-aid, but we ask, Father, for openings for the gospel. Openings. Oh, ways for the gospel to get into these kids. That the, the regulations wouldn't, wouldn't prohibit the gospel. The only thing that can change them. We ask you for a door of utterance to be open to these kids. Can you agree with me about that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus, and raise up more labors to do the same thing. Now, Father, we're going we're gonna to pray this prayer all together. Can you just lift your eyes up right now to the screen, and let's pray this prayer from Psalms uh, 27. 
And you can go ahead and, and keep playing there. The Lord is my light. Go ahead and let's say it together out loud. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Next. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Let me just say, that's a picture of seeking the Lord. Hallelujah. You don't have to go to church to have that happen. You can be anywhere you are praying. Next verse. He will conceal me. Go ahead. Let's pray this together. He will conceal me. His troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above mine enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Next one. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Dear Heavenly Father, not just for February, but because we're right here the day before February in this February fast, as a congregation, as individuals, as couples, as families, as friends, we say, Lord, I am coming. And you promised in your word that if we would draw near to you, that you would draw near to us, that you would reward us actually with yourself. We're expecting great change this year. And the first, the first thing that we want to say is we want you to have all of us, <laughs> all of our attention in Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.